0: A reading from the book of Genesis. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in His image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, And indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now a reading from the second letter to the Corinthians. But thanks be to God, who put in the heart of Titus the same eagerness for you that I myself have. For he not only accepted our appeal, but since he is more eager than ever, he is going to you of his own accord. With him, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his proclaiming the good news. And not only that, but he has also been appointed by the churches to travel with us while we are administering this generous undertaking for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill we intend that no one should blame us about this generous gift that we are administering, for we intend to do what is right, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of others. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found eager in many matters, but who is now more eager than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner, and coworker in your service. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love, and of our reason for boasting about you. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, be to God. Thanks Twyla, for filling in for Cameron this morning. Well, friends, uh, if you didn't know, most of you have picked up on the fact that uh, much of our choir, along with some other folks supporting them, uh, have just returned uh, from a trip to France for a couple of weeks, and Helen and I were privileged to be part of that group. We had many, many great opportunities, not only to be tourists, but also to share uh, that great gift of music with folks in churches and other locations around France. Two weeks ago, we were in Paris. And we had the privilege of participating in worship in the American Church in Paris. I know some of you have been there. About a hundred years ago, uh, folks started uh, creating communities of Christian believers uh, primarily pulling from expatriates in different major cities of the world Uh, and the church in Paris uh, they built a beautiful cathedral and we were there not only in worship but to uh, present a concert later uh, that afternoon and then last week we were actually on a riverboat as we were cruising along the Seine the Viking folks gave us an opportunity to have a worship service and we invited everybody else on the boat and out of about maybe 80 or 90 other uh, passengers on that cruise, 30 or 40 came to worship with us, and so I found myself preaching on a moving boat, uh, and, you know, trying to... I, I didn't use any notes, actually, because I couldn't have held on to them anyway, but it was a great experience. It was, it was a, a beautiful and, and moving time. Well, I'll be telling you more about some of those experiences, and you should check with the choir to, to learn what they learned and what they experienced. But um, always I find myself, once I have returned from a trip... It takes a few days to sort of uh, get back up to speed with what's going on in life here. And I hadn't really thought about this before, but one of the ways I do that, and I found myself doing that yesterday, is I come back to church and, uh, you know, I look at the pile of mail on my desk and I immediately ignore that. And then I just go start walking around the church to kind of make sure that everything is still here, that you all haven't, you know, torn out all the stained glass windows or whatever. And so yesterday um, I walked into the fellowship center. And, and there were about 40 or 50 people in the Fellowship Center, most of whom I'd never seen before. There were a handful of church members, and they were making a huge mess. Oh, what in the world is going on here? And my wife was actually one of them. <coughs> so let me tell you what they were doing. They had boxes and boxes and boxes of flower petals like this little flowers apparently they had all been shipped in from Holland and there were all these groups of people sitting around in circles some of them on the floor some of them at table some of them just sitting in chairs and they had scissors and they were cutting off the petals from each one of these flowers and they were collecting them all in these huge clear garbage bags what in the world do you think they were doing What would possess people to take thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of these flowers and cut the petals off and collect them? you have any clue? Anybody want to guess here except for those of you who know what was going on? Someone at the earlier service guessed that they were getting ready for a wedding. You know, and that's not a bad guess at all. Turns out that most of the folks sitting there are part of the uh, local chapter of the Mayflower Society. And next year in 2020 will be the 400th anniversary of the landing of the Mayflower on the other side of the continent and to help celebrate the Mayflower and all that it meant to American history they are going to produce a float for the Rose Parade. Oh! Now their insanity makes some sense doesn't it? Yeah, isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? They're gonna actually, is it gonna be a life-size reproduction of the Mayflower? Not quite, yeah, half size, half size reproduction of the Mayflower using petals from these flowers that were cut right here in your very own fellowship center. Isn't that cool? Let me ask you a question. What did you do yesterday to create something, to make something, to do something good and beautiful in the world? That's the question we want to talk about today. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but in the very opening paragraphs of the Scriptures that we call holy, we are told that the very God of the universe is a God who makes stuff. He's a creating God. He makes us. He makes everything. Without the creative energy and intelligence and power and amazing ability of God there would be nothing. God makes from out of nothing everything. Christians believe that. Jews believe that. Muslims believe that. Most people of most religions believe At least in this much, and this is a belief we hold in common, there is a creator. Now some folks don't think that. I personally don't think they have a very good uh, answer to the question of why everything is or where everything came from. They just say that it just is. That's not good enough for me. It makes sense to me that something, somewhere, somehow made it all. And that's really the beginning of the story of the scriptures. There is a creator. Now, as you drill down into that story a bit more, we discover that of all the things that God created, God created us. And then God did something unique and special with us. This is not said of anything else in the creation except of human beings that God made us in his image. It does not mean that he made us to be God. It does not mean that He made us to be gods. It means that He made us to be something like He is, which means that He made us also to be creative, to do work, to make stuff happen that's good stuff for the rest of the world. God puts humanity on the face of the planet that He creates as our home, and then He lays everything out before us, and he says, have dominion over it all. Now that word dominion has received lots of theological attention in the last few years, as we have discussed, and rightly so, what it means to have dominion over the world. Does that mean that the world, that everything that's created is made just for our enjoyment, That we're meant to use it all up and then move on somewhere else? Well, that's not exactly what that phrase means. Eugene Peterson has a great way of paraphrasing and drawing out the meaning of that word dominion. He says we are to prosper and reproduce and fill the earth and take charge and be responsible. How many of you were taught by your parents early on to be responsible? How many of you are irresponsible? (laughs) Now, I wasn't looking at any single one of you, no. (laughs) Right? Be responsible. We are meant to be stewards, caretakers, managers, responsible for the whole creation. That's part of what it means. When we say that we are created in the image of God, God was responsible for creating it all and we are responsible for taking care of it all and for continuing that creation. Here's a beautiful idea that describes who we are. We are lots of things, but we are also those who co-create with God. The business of creation is not over. We are meant to make beautiful stuff happen so let's talk about what that might be. I always want to know, once, once I encounter a, a central theological affirmation like we're created in God's image to co-create with God as we live our lives, I want to say, yeah, but how? What do I do? I need more detail on that. I think we all do. We've also been reading this summer occasionally through Paul's letter to the Corinthians, He wrote at least two of them, maybe three of them. And in one of his letters, he's talking about the fact that he's collecting an offering from the churches in the, uh, the region of the Aegean Sea. He's taking an offering from all of those churches, and it will eventually be taken back to the mother church in Jerusalem. The Christians in Jerusalem have been living through the occupation of the Romans and the disintegration of the the nation of Israel, and they're they're very poor, they're very hard-pressed. And Paul says, we need to help those folks out. And so he's collecting an offering. And as he's talking about that offering, he tells us almost inadvertently, almost by accident, he tells us about three folks in the Scripture. And we so often focus on the big characters, right? Of course, we talk about Jesus and Mary and Joseph and Paul and Peter and all those folks. And that's great that we talk a lot about them. But I'm always interested in some of those characters that we don't know much about. And right here in this passage in Corinthians, we run into three of them. First of all, we run into Titus. At least we know Titus's name, right? Paul is saying to the Corinthians that as we collect this offering, Titus is going to be in charge of assembling it all and managing it all and making sure that it all gets back to Jerusalem. Now that's a big job. Have any of you ever been the treasurer of your organization? Right? Have any of you ever had any money that you've been responsible for? That's what Titus is good at. I think Titus probably has an MBA from Harvard. He's good at managing the money and taking care of the money, and that's a good and beautiful thing. Now, I don't know that I've ever actually seen a, a whole sermon preached about Titus himself or a series of books written about Titus, but, but folks, let's, let's face it that without Titus and people like Titus, the Christian enterprise wouldn't work very well, if at all. Then there's two other characters that Paul mentions, and he doesn't even tell us their names. One of them, he says, who's going to go with Titus, is well known among the churches for being a fantastic preacher of the gospel. I think his name, Tony, was probably Jack. Don't you think his name was, yeah, probably was Jack, yeah. (laughs) Right? That's all we know about him. He's respected and known as a great preacher of the gospel, and he too is going to be with Titus in going back to Jerusalem to take this offering. And then the third character that Paul mentions, again, he doesn't tell us a name. He doesn't even tell us what he's good at. we got Titus, who's obviously good with money, and we got this guy who's a good preacher. But then this third character, Paul says, he has been tested and proved true. That's all we know, is that he has demonstrated an ability to do something useful in the kingdom of God, and he also is going with this group. Well, I want to focus on those three characters just a little bit. Let's learn from those three characters just a little bit. As we do that, let me me mention two caveats, first of all, because I don't want you thinking about these questions. I want to talk about what we do, what we make and create, and what we make happen for the good of the kingdom of God, but I'm not talking about working for the church. That's not what I'm talking about. That's included, but that is certainly not even the larger percentage of it. Paul made tents, and Paul probably sewed up on sales in order to support his work, right? There really no, was no such thing as an official church worker or official church work in the early church, right? I've already said, Titus had his MBA from Harvard, right? And he used that in service to God. We're not talking about church work. We're talking about all work. We're talking about anything that anybody can do that adds to the creation. Second caveat is this. I know that people sometimes hear this kind of a sermon. They say, Paul was a great preacher and Peter was so faithful and da-da-da-da-da and all this church stuff. And they say, I, I, that's just not me, Right? Well, it's very clear that with Titus and these other two characters that God expected from them that which He had given to them. God does not make everybody into a great preacher or to an amazing tenor or to, into, you know, a, a beautiful church secretary who can, who can print up flawless bulletins or whatever. That's not what we're talking about. God expects from each one of us what God has given to each one of us. And whatever God has given to you, God is going to expect and hope that you will develop that and use that in the kingdom of God. And so let's talk about the dynamics of that. Okay, it's very simple. And I'm so proud of myself today. I developed a, a little alliteration to describe this, right? This is what all preachers do. God wants us to discover What he has given us, and then to develop what he has given us, and then to deploy what he has given us. That's how it works as we co create with God. So let's talk about discovering what God has given to each one of us. There's a lot of unique things, nobody has everything, but what do you have? Once upon a time, there was a man who lived in a small community. He was very old. But he was known for being one of the founding fathers of the community. By now, he was very wealthy. He was very powerful. He was very respected. And so one of the local high school teachers thought, this guy has something to teach to my young students." So she brought him into her classroom, and she had him tell his story to the kids, hoping that it would inspire them, helping to teach them about how you make something of yourself in the world. They said, well... When I got here 70 years ago, all I had with me was my knapsack on my back. I had a stick and a bandana tied around it and all my worldly possessions were in that thing and I got here and I worked and I sweated and I tried and I sometimes failed but I kept on going and eventually after years and years of hard work, I made something out of myself. And all the kids said, wow, that, that's just amazing, that's inspiring finally one of the kids raised his hand and said, you know, I'm I'm just curious, he said, what did you have in that knapsack of yours? He said, about a million bucks in cash. (laughs) You know, you got to learn what you have, what there is to work with and, and then go from there. That's part of what especially the early years of life are about, but But through all of life, I meet people every once in a while say, you know, I didn't realize until I was 70 years old that I'm good at X or Y or that I'm really passionate about A or B or C, right? Discover. Ask God to teach you and to tell you. Ask your friends what you're good at. Discover what you're good at. Discover what you can do. And then, of course, you have to develop it. You have to do something with it. Now, on this trip into France... We sailed along the Seine River, and one of our stops was in the small town of, we would say, Vernon, right? The French say it, or something like that, I don't know, however however the French say words, right? And close to this town of Vernon, there's a smaller town of Giverny, or Giverny, I'm not exactly sure how to say it, right? How many of you have heard of Giverny before? Okay, many of you have, right? You're educated people, not just the folks that went on the trip, right? Giverny is the town where Claude Monet made his home, the great impressionistic painter. And so we got to go visit the home and the gardens and the beautiful pond that was his inspiration for those incredibly beautiful paintings that now hang in the Louvre and and all over the world. Well, I need to tell you that, that Claude Monet is not the only great painter from Giverny. Because on the ship earlier that morning, they had a class, a watercolor class, to teach people how to paint. And so I have brought home with me an original watercolor from Giverny. (laughs) Here it is, right here. Now this is not my work. Oh. This is Helen's work. Now, it could use a little work maybe, but you know, in a few years, maybe Claude Monet will not be the only famous painter who started in Cheverny. No one starts out at the top. Monet didn't start out as a master, Michelangelo did not start out as a master, Michael Jordan didn't start out as a master. You have to work, you have to develop your talent and your capability and try and keep on going. How many of you are better at something today than you were yesterday? I hope everyone in the room can say yes to that question, right? We have to discover what we can do, we have to develop what we can do, and then we have to deploy. That's an interesting term, deploy. Most often in today's parlance, we use that when we talk about the military deploying, perhaps overseas, perhaps somewhere else. The highlight of the trip, for me, was visiting the beaches at Normandy. Now, there's a lot to talk about there, and we will not say it all today. But one of the things that impressed me, as we had the privilege of singing at the American Cemetery at Omaha Beach and as we walked among those thousands and thousands of white crosses and white stars of David was that those folks went and did the work that needed to be done. You can have all the gifts and abilities in the world You can have all the degrees and pedigrees in the world, but unless you go and do the work that needs to be done, it's meaningless. Titus could have sat there and said, I know how to manage money. I'm going to sit back here at home. Who cares about what the church needs? Paul could have said, I'm a brilliant student of the scholars and an incredible preacher, but... I'm just going to sit here at home. The Folks who actually get something done in the world are the people who go and do something in the world. That's our calling. Maybe someone here today is still trying to figure out what you can give in the creation of the world. What you can do. Keep looking. If you're having trouble finding it, come talk to me. Talk to somebody. Maybe some of us today are discouraged because things aren't going the way we think they're supposed to, or maybe we're going down the wrong path, or maybe we just need some encouragement to keep developing what we have. Maybe some of us today need that holy nudge, (laughs) that little kick in the backside from the Holy Spirit to say, do it, whatever God has called you to do. Whatever it is, I know this much, that God's image is built into you. That image is one that calls you to be working with God and for God in all of the different ways that God is making the world over again. And we miss something if we miss out on that calling. Don't miss out. Amen.